Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors who set up for you today. And for those of you who are in here, we're so glad that you're with us, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, maybe you're a guest with us, and we're just uh, so glad that you took a chance and a risk to check us out. Maybe it was on a Facebook feed of your friend, or you're just searching for churches in your area. We're so glad that you're here. I always invite our guests to come at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, is I know that when you go through uh, to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So come back, check us out a few more times, and hopefully we can be your spiritual family. I also want to mention, if you are watching online, would you do me a favor? Just go ahead and share uh, that stream right on your social media feed or text someone, let them know uh, that you're at church and let them know that you are a part of a great life-giving church. And one of the great ways that we've been able to get our word out to people is through our online social experience. So make sure you do that. It'll help us out. I want to mention as well, we have some people in in our current audience right now uh, physically with us. Our church is not open yet. Our building's not open just yet. We're planning an opening on June 7th, a public opening. The people who are in here right now are our staff and volunteers and some of their families. And the reason they're here is we're training right now so that we're ready and prepared uh, for you and your family to show up very, very soon. So you didn't miss out. It's not all good. It's not normal. Uh, We're just having a few people here so that we can kind of create the experience so it's better when you actually show up June 7th. Uh, that's kind of our tentative plan right now. So just so you know, so if you see any heads or you hear amens, that's who's in the building. We're in the middle of a series called Happiness Is. And the reason we're talking about happiness is we feel like God had a lot to say about happiness inside of scriptures. One of my favorite things being a, a Bible teacher is really looking at the Bible and seeing how relevant it really is to even our lives now. An ancient collection of books can be so relevant to our lives. And especially in this season, as we're going through COVID-19, it's been a unique season where all of us seem to be struggling. If we're honest, can we be honest? Like we're all kind of struggling with finding real happiness, like true happiness inside of our souls, that happiness that doesn't just seem to uh, disappear when things are going uh, right or going wrong, that it's not determined by what's happening outside of the world, but really what's done inside of our hearts. And Jesus knew this. In fact, uh, when he was on this earth, one of the greatest sermons he ever preached was called the Sermon on the Mount. And he started the Sermon on the Mount with a parable or really a story, a poem of uh, about happiness and about how to have true happiness inside of our souls. And if you are, are not doing this yet, I highly encourage you go check out our podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple iTunes and Google Podcasts. We're all over the world. You can subscribe to it and you can actually go back and watch and listen to uh, all four of the weeks that we've had so far. And we just kind of go through what's called the Beatitudes. Jesus kind of started off this sentence. He said, blessed are these people. And he goes through several statements in the last several weeks we've been doing it. Last week, we actually talked about uh, his fourth statement, which was blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be filled. They'll find some true satisfaction. Uh, This week, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. That's where we're going to be at today. Verse 7. Again, this is kind of the start of his Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, his next blessed statement. He says, blessed are the merciful or happy. That word blessed in the Greek there is makaros and means happy. Happy are the merciful. Interesting word, merciful. For they will be shown mercy that, that Jesus highlighted for us. That if we learn to show mercy to other people in our lives will actually uh, receive mercy from God, that there'll be a, a, a blessing. You're kind of sowing mercy and there you'll, therefore you'll reap or receive mercy in your own life, that there's a goal for all of us. If we're, if we're honest, we should all learn to walk out uh, this idea of mercy. And so with that, as our scripture backdrop, uh, if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, write that down. So you don't forget it. 
Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I'm honored to be uh, just uh, preaching your word and to be able to open up scriptures in a, in a country that loves you and it's free, God. We can, we can meet and connect with you and, and for you. And Lord, I just pray that as we, as we examine your word, that God, although I've maybe prepared notes, I know that you have the ability through the Holy Spirit to speak to us and, and give us what the word of God that we need as a family. I pray that you would speak to us, that you would grow us, that our hearts would be opened and our minds would be clear in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Um, sometimes I'll read things in the Bible and, and I will, will naturally think and ask the question, why? And this is one of the scriptures that I always found interesting that Jesus said it's not just a scripture in the Bible, it's a recording of what something Jesus actually spoke. And how many of y'all know that if you're on the earth for a certain amount of time and you're doing ministry and you know, you know your time is limited, what you say matters. And Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will see mercy. I always get confused sometimes when I think about mercy and grace. I don't know if you're like me. Um, they're unique, but but and they're they're similar, but but they're uniquely different. And I read a, an interesting story about Napoleon. I wanted to read this to you. Is a great um, emperor lived uh, several years back, and he said this. There's a, a great story about uh, this this interaction that Napoleon had with a mom. And the story goes like this: said a mother once approached Napoleon seeking a pardon for her son. And he replied that the young man had committed a serious offense, not once, but twice, and justice demanded death. And this is what the mother said. The mother said, but I don't ask for justice. I plead for mercy. But your son does not deserve mercy, Napoleon replied. And this is what the mom said. Sir, it would not be mercy if he deserved it, and mercy is all I ask for. Well, then, the emperor said, I have mercy. I will have mercy on him. And he spared the woman's Son, uh, many of us uh, see mercy as uh, as kind of grace, but they're again they're uh, what I like to say they're two sides of the same coin, two sides of the same coin. What's the difference between mercy and grace? Well, grace is simply this. We'll put it up on the screens for you. Grace is receiving something that I don't deserve. One of the greatest examples of grace for all of us in our life, especially if you're a Christian, is the idea of salvation, that, that we get this idea of grace from God, received from him, and we receive something that we didn't deserve, that we didn't earn, that we had nothing to do with, and we didn't receive it because we're good. We receive it because God is good, and so for us, us, we have grace uh, because God decided to give us something and we receive something that we did not deserve. But mercy, mercy is kind of the opposite of that, a little bit of a flip. And mercy is not receiving something that I, I do deserve. It's not receiving something that I do deserve. A great example of this the other day, I was with uh, my family. We were leaving and getting ready to, to, to leave the house. I don't know if you're anything like me. You know, I have five young boys. And if you have a lot of kids, just getting out of the house is an experiment, right? It's a It's a chore. And we're, we're all trying to get out of the house. And I have five young boys all under the age of 12. And what was interesting is all of them got out of the house. They all get their shoes on. Hey, well, guys, we're leaving. Get your shoes on. Get ready to go. They all get ready to go. Get their shoes on. They get their leave. Well, they, we have a loft that's upstairs and had a, has a, a TV in there. And he, uh, my boys were all playing video games. And I counted all of them. You know, at, at some point when you have a lot of kids, they lose their names. And now they just have numbers. So you're like, one, two, three, four. You know, I'm counting all to make sure they're all there. I could only count four while I was missing my six-year-old. I'm like, Judah, where are you? Judah. And he's upstairs. He goes, yes, Daddy. I said, hey, we're leaving. Come on, we got to go. What are you doing? He goes, I'm playing, playing a video game. 
I said, turn that off. Let's go. He said, okay. So I go out to the car and I'm waiting for my son. How many of you have ever done that? Where you're out to the car, you're waiting for your kid to show up and like one minute turns to two minutes, it turns to five minutes. And you're like, what in the world is that kid doing? I get out of the car. I walk back in. I'm like, Judah, I scream him. And he goes, yes, daddy. I go, what are you doing? He goes, playing video games. I said, turn that off. Have you ever been like a parent? Maybe you're not like me, but you just start threatening things that sound crazy. Like, turn it off. I'm breaking that TV. I'm throwing the Xbox out. You're, you know, going to sleep in a box. You know, it's like you just start saying random things because you're mad. And so I'm like, come on, come downstairs. And so he finally gets downstairs. He gets in the car and I'm hot, like I'm heated. And I'm like, son, I'm mad. And so my son Titus looks to looks at Jude and he says, he's it was such an interesting thing he said Titus goes dad had grace for you brother dad, dad Judah dad had grace for you you you're so lucky and I look back and I said actually I didn't have grace that's mercy I said I, I had mercy for him and they go what what does that mean I said well he deserves justice in this situation demands punishment at this point he didn't listen come on y'all parents y'all know what I'm talking about like he deserves something right and I said this statement to him and, and uh, it was kind of a, a teaching moment that we had, you know, as a, uh, I don't know if you guys have this as, you know, as parents, you kind of have these teaching moments. Don't, don't miss out on them. But my statement that I said to him, I said, because he asked me, he goes, Dad, why did you give, it was interesting, he said, why did you give Judah mercy? And I said, because sometimes people, uh, sometimes you need to, people need mercy instead of, of, of justice. Sometimes people need, we need to give people what they need instead of what they, they deserve. That's really what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, happy are the ones who give people what they need. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Give people what they need instead of what they deserve. Now, why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus tell us to be merciful? First reason is this. The first reason we need to be merciful is uh, because God is merciful. I like what Scripture says in Ephesians chapter number two, Ephesians chapter two says it like this, says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, that the Bible highlights that one of the characteristics that God has, and not just has it, he has in abundance, he's rich, he has more than enough characteristic of mercy for us. I like that, that, that God actually is highlighted for us, that he has an unlimited, which means there is no limit, he is rich in an amount of mercy for you and for I, that God, the God that you and I reflect and serve, he has plenty of mercy for us. That's the first reason. But the second reason, which ultimately leads us to the second reason, is that not only does God have mercy, but God commands us to be merciful, that you and I should reflect our God and not ourselves, right? Like we need to learn how, how to be merciful because God himself is merciful and he asks us to do that, he requires that of you and of I. Micah chapter number six says, and what does the Lord require of you? Again, he's saying you and I have requirements to be and to walk with God, to act justly and to love mercifully and to walk humbly with your God, that you and I are not in a democracy in the kingdom of God. It's not a democracy of God. It's a kingdom. Now, because we live in America, the greatest country in the world, you and I have a vote in America. Thank God. Because what's ran by people and politicians. The kingdom of God isn't ran by a person. It's ran by a perfect God. That's why it works. So it's a kingdom. But we ought to understand because in a kingdom, the king sets the rules and the people follow. That we are in a, a kingdom of God. God is king. We live in a kingdom. And God is king. We reflect the, 
the king. He has commanded us to be merciful, not to actually benefit so much others, but also, also to also, ever say also, to also benefit ourselves. Because when we're merciful with others, God in his infinite wisdom, who is rich in his own mercy, will actually give us mercy back. Isn't that good? That's just good for us to know as we walk this out. So if that's important, if Jesus goes out of his way to let us know that if you're looking for happiness, that you should be merciful, then we need to know some practical ways. Come on, y'all. Like some practicals. Like, okay, pastor, that's good. I need to be merciful. But what does that even mean? I'm going to give you, in the time we have left, I'm going to give you some moments to think about some ways to walk out mercy in your life today. So if you're taking notes, five ways to walk out mercy in your life today. Number one is this, is we need to be patient with people's quirks. We need to be patient with people's quirks. Ephesians chapter four says this, says be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Everybody say patient. Come on at all of our experiences in here and online. Be patient, bearing with one another in Love. How many of y'all know? Like you've probably realized this and maybe figured this out. So to figure this out over a, a lifetime of just living, people can be some. There, there's some weird people in the world, right? People can be weird, quirky, odd. Have some like uniquely like like just just a little bit um, peculiar. They can be irritating. They can do some weird things. People, come on. People, if we're honest, people can be can be quirky. Now, I'm going to take a risk here. We're going to have some fun just today because there's some kids in here, some family. we got some family service going on, and, and then we're going to, you know, you, you're probably sitting with your child right now inside. So if you checked out, check back, and we're going to have just a little bit of an experiment. So get your kid with you, and uh, we're going to make some noise in here. So get your, we're going to do all in the count of three for five seconds. We're going to make the most annoying sound that you can make in the world. Just think of the most annoying sound that you can make. We're going to all do it. We're all going to participate online and all over the place we're going to do right here. Does anybody want to come up here and do it with me? Come on, T- Trinity, come here. Come here, Trinity. Come on. We're going to make, everybody say hi, Trinity. All right, this is Pastor Jason's daughter. She's awesome. She's amazing. Are you going to make a sound with me? You're going to make a sound together? All right, we're going to, can you think of the most annoying sound that you can make? All right, I want you to think of it. And in a few seconds, we're going to do it for five seconds. We're all going to make the most annoying sound that we can make. All right, get everybody, get ready. Kids, get ready. Come on, adults, you got to participate. Don't be that bump on a log. Have some fun in here. On the count of three, we're going to make an annoying sound for five seconds. I'm going to count it down. One, two, three, make an annoying sound. La, 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 Okay, that's it. That's all we can handle. Thank you, Trinity. All right. So what you just realized, I just proved to you people can be annoying. And if you don't know an annoying person in your life, be careful. It might be you. You might be the annoying person in your life. People, come on. People can be quirky. People can have some things that can irritate you. And and Jesus was saying, if we can learn to be patient, like be, be patient with people's quirks and you know, peculiar ways. Some people can chew loud. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like some people can talk loud on the airplane. It's like, do you remember when we used to fly before COVID? Like, could, could you take that, that conversation and finish it before you got on the plane? Some people open their phones. Come on, turn on their phones in the middle of the theater. It's like, what's wrong with you? Like they went out of their way to tell you not to do that. And it, but, but Jesus was saying, if you want to find joy 
And happiness, you got to learn to be merciful. This could be no more true than inside of our marriages. If you're in a marriage right now, you and I need to be to learn to be merciful and patient with our spouse's quirks. Great marriages are built on great mercy. They're built on this idea of, of patience. I've, I've been a pastor for many years, and, and the people that I, I see, the marriages that I see that crash and burn don't happen in a it's typically not a catastrophe that happened overnight. It's little things that led up to the big thing that might have pushed it over the edge, but it was a lot of little impatient moments that you had with your spouse that led you to... Sometimes that your, your husband's just going to snore loud, right? Come on, ladies. Sometimes there's just she, she just doesn't seem to put the toilet paper roll on the right way. Sometimes you got to learn to handle their way they chew. Why do you chew like that? You, you, you always, when you drink a, a cup, after you're done drinking, you always go, ah, like somebody just, you just, you're quirky and you're weird, but great marriages, I'm telling you, they're built on just people who are patient. And if we can learn to do that, you're going to find joy inside of your soul you never felt that you had. Number two is this. You need number two. Help anyone hurting around me. We're talking about how to be merciful and how to walk out mercy inside of your own life to bring out true happiness. We need to learn to help the hurting around us. And how many of y'all know that the world we live in right now, there are a lot of hurting people. There's a lot of opportunity for you to walk out mercy today. There was a, a great story inside Luke chapter 10, one of the most famous stories in all of scripture. I could do a whole series on, on really this, but it's on the Good Samaritan. In fact, you'll see many hospitals have been named after this. And you know, you have organizations that started after this parable that Jesus told. But people don't know the context of this story. Uh, the Good Samaritan um, was, a, was a story that Jesus told in, in response to a question he got. Uh, the question that was asked to Jesus was about eternal life. They asked, Lord, how do we get eternal life? How do we ex- receive and accept uh, eternal life? And Jesus told a story about a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho along a path. Some people uh, attacked him, robbed him, and left him to die. And then three people walked by him uh, and saw what happened. It was three people but really two types of people. There was the people who walked by and did nothing, which was the priest and the Levite, or those who knew about Jesus, knew about his law, knew about how to be loving, knew about God, checked the Christian Facebook post. Come on, always posted the scripture verse, had the Christian bumper sticker, put the fish on the back, always told people they were Christians, always knew about God, but never acted like them. And then there was the Samaritan who didn't know anything about God, who did not grow up Jewish, who did not follow the law or the Torah, walked by, saw someone hurting, reached down, helped him up, went out of his way, did everything he could, and helped and saved that person who was hurt. And he summarized and ended it with his own question back to the people who asked him about eternal life. This is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? Who, who, who do you think acted like me, treated him like me, loved that person, acted in mercy, and he said this to the man who fell into the robbers. And this is how it went in verse 37. He said, the expert in the law replied, the one. So the Pharisee responded back to Jesus who originally asked him the question. He said, the one who had, there it is our word to get today, mercy on him. And Jesus said, well, go and be like that guy. Go and be merciful. Go help someone who actually needs help. Here's the key to this, that you don't miss this. Jesus equated our eternal life to how we handled mercy, how merciful we were, how you helped other people. That should shock you and rock you a little bit. 
That if you see someone in need, may we never walk by them again. I'm not talking about just the person you see on the side of the road asking for money with a cardboard sign. I'm talking about someone who's been attacked and needs help in your life. That if you see a need, you can meet the need instead of being the priest and Levite who walks by people and go, oh man, that's tough. Hey, I'll pray for you and hope God helps you out. You can be the Samaritan who walks out the love. Come on. Walks out the love of God and says, I'll be the answer to my own prayer and be the one that God uses to help those who are hurting. Like, may we never walk by anybody who's in need again. Proverbs chapter three says it may be best. It says, do not withhold good from those who to whom it is due to those who are in need when it is in your power to act that if you can act on it, you should act on it. You don't have to ask God. I know some people are like, well, let me pray about it. You don't need to pray about it. He already said to do it. He modeled it for us. He said, this is how you receive eternal life. That's good. Somebody say amen. Number three, how we act. We're talking about how we walk out mercy. Number three is this. Give people a second chance. Give people a second chance. Some of us in here, this is easy for us. Some of us in here, you justice people. Come on, we justice. You warriors for justice. You did something. You deserve this. It just is what it is. There's some people who are wired like that. And giving people a second chance is a big deal and it's really hard for some of us. I like what Ephesians says. In chapter four, this is actually a form of mercy. He says, stop being bitter and angry and mad. Don't yell at one another or curse at each other. Don't ever be rude. Paul's admonishing the church at Ephesus saying, this is how spiritual family is. He says, instead, I'm going to compare this and contrast this. Instead, be kind. And there's our word again, merciful. Everybody say merciful. Come on, like you mean it. He says, be merciful and forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. He gives six normal reactions to offense that all of us really normally do, that I do, that you do. He says, here's the six list. He says, you got bitterness. Don't be bitter. Don't be angry. Don't be mad. Don't yell. Don't curse. Don't be rude. Come on. How many of y'all just, did I just describe every time you get somebody offends you? Anybody else? Like you feel convicted right now. You're like, babe, did you give him that list? Like, I don't understand. Like, how did that? I'm convicted too. I do this as well. He's saying, Paul is saying, instead of being like this, learn to give a second chance and forgive because God himself forgave you. Remember, I like this. He says, remember that we've been given a second chance. Remind yourself. Come on. How far you've come. How much mercy you've received. How, come on. How many second chances you've gotten? I like this uh, story. There's a man named John Newton, and uh, he lived in the 1700s. And on his gravestone says this. It says, Pastor, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slavers in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I like this, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed. Preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. John Newton's family, along with himself, was a part of uh, ship merchants that transferred slaves from Africa. And he did that for many, many years, and he got to a point where he realized it was wrong and that they were, 
humans that they were made in Christ's image. And he turned it around and led the revolution for the British to actually abolish slavery in that season. And uh, he, he kind of started it, never saw it to fruition, but he kind of started it, became a pastor and started preaching against it, realizing the value of human life. Now, you and I might not know the name John Newton, but you know the name of the song Amazing Grace. And John Newton wrote the song Amazing Grace. He wrote the most famous, maybe the most famous song written in all of Christendom. And he writes the song, y'all know it. He says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found, was, come on, y'all know it, was blind, and now I see. John recognized. He said, amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch. You got to remember where you come from. You can't just sing those songs and and know about God. You got to sing and remember it's a song of remembrance. It saved a wretch like me. You don't know how bad I was. God, in his infinite mercy, gave me a second chance. And if God can give me a second chance, then I can give people a second chance. That if he had the power to do it in my life, I have the power to do it in others pe- other people's life. You could say amazing grace came from amazing mercy. And we need to remember, we need to remind ourselves Often that we got a second chance, you can give somebody else a second chance. Somebody say amen. Number four is this. Do good to your enemies. We're talking about how to walk out mercy right now so that we can get happiness. Do good to your enemies. We have to remember what mercy is ultimately. It's giving people what they need and not what they deserve, right? That's what our thought is. Giving people what they need and not what they deserve. And doing good to our enemies is not what they deserve, but it's what they need. And anytime I read stuff like that, it it always... It always challenges me. Luke chapter 6, Jesus talks about this a little bit. He says, but love your enemies. I'm like, God, why would you say that? You don't understand my enemies. And he's saying, no, 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 you, you need to love them. And then I feel like, okay, I kind of get around that. Maybe I can, like, I can uh, define what love means for me to my enemies. And maybe it's just, hey, I didn't retaliate. That's loving them, right? I don't know if you're like me, but that's kind of how I am a little bit. And he goes, no, this is how you do it. Do good to them. And I'm like, Jesus, you're pushing now, all right? You, you already told me I couldn't do a couple of these things. I'm trying not to sin. And now you're telling me I got to do, like, good to my enemies, the people who are trying to hurt me? He says, yeah. And then he goes, and, and then led to them without expecting to get anything back. I don't like that. And then your reward will be great. And you'll be children. I like this. He said, then this is how you'll know. Then you'll be children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. I like that. He said, he's kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. And in verse 36, he said, be merciful. There's our word again. Be merciful just as your, your father is, is merciful. He said, if you want to be merciful and you want to walk out mercy, you, you got to learn to do good to your enemies. Jesus models this in his own life when he's on the cross and he's being murdered by people he came to save. Imagine that. You, 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 you run in to a burning building and you save to save people 
and those people turn around and, and kill you. That's what he's, what he's doing. And in the moment that they're killing him, Jesus speaks words he, 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 into existence that should rock you. In Luke chapter 23, and he, he says this, while they're killing him, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Literally becoming an advocate, come on, becoming an, an advocate for those who are killing him. He's pleading on their behalf to God. That sounds like he's doing good for them. In the midst of them killing him. And if Jesus could do that, come on, y'all. We could do some good to some of our enemies, too. And we can walk out mercy in a way that reflects our Heavenly Father. Do they deserve it? No. But if they deserved it, then it wouldn't be mercy. And we want to be merciful so that we can have happiness. And the final one is this. Number five is this. Build bridges of love to the lost. Build bridges of love to the lost. Now, when I say lost, I mean no disrespect to a certain group of people, but I just mean people who don't know Jesus, people who don't have a relationship with him, maybe people who haven't made a conscious decision to make a decision to follow him, people who are far from God, people who don't think like us, don't act like us, don't talk like us, don't walk like us, don't think, smell, eat, go places, watch things, listen to things like us. I'm talking about people who are not Christian. And a form of mercy that you could walk out, that we could walk out today in our own modern world, is just build a bridge of love to them. Here's why. You cannot, we, we as a Christian people, we can't win enemies to Christ. We only win friends. And so if you're in ought against someone who is not a Christian or a follower of Jesus, if you have positioned and postured yourself as better than and as like, hey, I got this thing figured out and you don't got it figured out and man, it's too bad to be you. I'm good. Too bad. So sad. And if you're always thinking you're better than and you've postured yourself against them and make them enemies, you'll never win them to God. And Jesus said the best thing you can do is be friends with them. Learn how to actually connect with them, build bridges. In fact, he models this for us in actually reaching. There's a story inside of Matthew about Matthew was a person. So Matthew was a disciple, but before he was a disciple, he was a tax collector. Jesus is on this earth, and Matthew chapter 9 actually describes this moment that he has with Matthew. He's reaching Matthew, having dinner with tax collectors and sinners, and the Pharisees walk by, the Christian folk walk by, and they go, Jesus, why are you doing that? Why are you stooping to their level? Why are you going into the bars? Why are you walking into the people? Why are you doing all this stuff? They don't know you. They don't deserve you. Why won't you come hang out with us Christians? Because we're good. We're in the holy huddle. Us four no more. I thought you liked us, Jesus. And Jesus' response was brilliant, like it always is. In chapter 9, verse 13, he says this. He says, go learn the meaning of Scripture. <laughs> He's kind of... He tells the Pharisees, the experts of the law, of the Torah, he says, hey, that ex hey, expert, 
The thing that you teach everybody, you should go back and read it yourself. He says, go read it. And then he starts to quote. This is him actually quoting scripture. He says, I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices. He's quoting God here. He says in verse four, the rest of 13, he says, for I've come to call sinners. He comes back into telling them. He goes, go read the scripture. Here's what it says. And then this is Jesus speaking. He says, for I have come to call sinners, not those who think they're already good enough. He says, I'm building bridges to unsaved people. I'm trying to make friends with them. When I make friends with them, their guard comes down. Then they realize I'm not trying to take something from them. I'm trying to give something to them. And when they realize that, they get around me. They can't help but change. Mercy involves building bridges with unbelievers. So my question to you, do you have any unbelieving friends? Dramatic pause. Do you? Well, I work with some people who, you know, they cuss a lot. That's not the same thing. I'm saying, do you, are you friends with them? Like, do you connect with them? When's the last time you had them over for a meal? When's the last time you sat across the table from someone from a different uh, viewpoint, political party, uh, religious background, someone who didn't walk like you, talk like you, think like you, speak like you? Come on, I'm talking about someone who ain't you. When's the last time you built a bridge to someone who didn't believe the way that you believed? Jesus modeled it for us, said, if you're going to walk out in mercy, we need to build bridges to the, to the lost. Now, I'm going to close with this thought. We're talking about how to walk out mercy in our lives. You and I should ask these questions on a regular basis every day we wake up. Here's some questions to ask ourselves. Who has irritating quirks that I need to be patient with? You might be living with them right now, more than likely. Number two, who around me is obviously hurting that I could help? Who's been attacked? Who's been hurt? Who's been offended? Who, who do you, who, where's the need that you see that you can fill? Number three is this, who do I need to chance, who do I need to give a second chance? Who do I need to give a second chance to? Who, 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 somebody out there, someone's offended you, someone's hurt you. Come on, you, you, you don't need to think about it. You already know who they are. Number four, who, who's hurt me that I could do good to? Come on, that's challenge anybody right there. Who's hurt me that I could do good to? And finally, who is the outcast, the unpopular person that I could build a bridge of love to? If you want to walk out mercy, these are some helpful, practical steps to do it. And Jesus summarized it. He said, blessed, happy are those. Come on, happy are those who are merciful. I like this when Titus, as we wrap up today, he said, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Jesus summarizes his statement. Happy are the ones who live out mercy, for they will receive mercy.